Hello and welcome to Meet the Producer. This is the new podcast series from the Production Guild of Great Britain, in which we get a unique insight into the careers and work of some inspirational producers. I'm Jason Solomons, film critic and presenter on TV and radio and in newspapers, now embarking on a new career as a film producer. So what better way, I thought, to start out than by asking some of the best in the business for advice. How do you start? Where does the money come from? How do you make deals for stars and attached directors? And what does a producer do all day? I'll ask a diverse collection of guests to understand how some of our favourite films and TV shows have come together. And we'll all find out more as I meet the producer. My guests on this show are Sally Phillips and Ronnie Ancona. And of course, you'll know them from their work on screen, mainly in British comedy. Ronnie has been a leading impressionist and sketch comedian on shows, including The Big Impression and Stella Street, but has also amassed a number of dramatic roles in theatre, TV and film, such as Gideon's Daughter with Stephen Polyakov, Last Tango in Halifax and On Michael Winterbottom's A Cock and Bull Story. Sally Phillips has been a familiar and much-loved face on Smack the Pony, Miranda, I'm Alan Partridge, Veep and the Bridget Jones movies. And she's now taking the lead in feature film How to Please a Woman and guesting on the new series of Comedy Breeders. But Sally and Ronnie are here because they've now founded their own production company. It's called Captain Dolly, part of the Studio Soho group. And they've got several projects in development as producers. They launched their slate at this year's Cannes Film Festival, where I saw them. And now, finding ourselves at similar career stages as newcomers to the world of production, well, I just needed to find out more. So I went to Captain Dolly to meet the producers. We've lucked out, haven't we? We've got Marv over there and uh, the remains of Baby Cow to the right. Yes, we're uh, we're surrounded by beacons of success. And here we are as old fledglings. And you Um, thought, if you come right here, this is where it's going to happen and this is why, this is what producers do. Yeah, we're totally reliant on on purely the address and nothing else. No, um, we're very lucky, actually, because this was part of Film Soho and it's been growing very fast and that's where our offices are. How, How long have you been doing Captain Dolly? Well, I years, just before the pandemic we started. Um, As usual, perfect timing. And um, it's, um, it's just to give you a little brief context, Sally and I were on a film together, and although I've adored and admired her, as many other people have, but we have known each other for a very long time, and uh, the producer of this film um, had a small film company and um, was and quite a successful boutique distribution company in international sales. And he was looking to expand. And so uh, there was an amalgamation that happened and they got some investment and they started to build um, an ADR, specialised ADR studio um, and increase their um, distribution company. And from that, it's gone into post-production and pre-production. And they asked Sally and me, uh, Nick Hampson, asked us to head up the production arm of it. Head up the production arm? Head up the did, production arm. Did you know what arm. he meant? No idea. I knew it was just an arm I had to control and nothing else. What about the legs? I was thinking, no, I don't do legs. As long as it's just one arm, it'll be fine, I'm sure. Sal, can you do the other arm? 
I'm still in the same, we're both in the same arm still, we're becoming the same person. But I mean, Nick said to us, you know, it is quite hard for producers who are not well connected to actors increasingly, because if you're, uh, if you're financing things independently, mm. you, need the, you need the cast to green light it. And so that's where we come in handy, because between us, we're a pretty good spread bet across the whole industry, aren't we? Though that sounds mm. foul. You're, well, you're both definitely in the comic universe, you have connections there, and in the dramatic well, so. we have actually got a lot, a lot more connections in the dramatic than you'd think. Yes, well, that's just Give me trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> People go, that amazing drama, but I was actually, oh, that was me trying to be funny. But thanks, thanks, yeah, very serious actress. But even the dramas have, like, relief. I mean, you notice most British movies, you know, in positions 5 to 15 on the call sheet have at least one British comic mm. person, even if you call that comic person Simon McBurney. Yeah. You know, there's um, comedians do get do get about actually. No, absolutely. I, mean, I think obviously, about, think yeah, sorry. financiers probably love that name because it brings in a different bit of audience, mm. or it will mean it'll be a bit funny in some places. So I think it's a really kind of excellent sort of again good casting for you as producers. But did you know what that meant? Well, I think the it, it it's at the risk of sounding terribly pretentious. It was sort of all started to develop quite organically, really, in terms of the aspiration and the ambition. Always was for the whole film Soho team, of which there's about five subsidiaries, and but they all work across each other, and they all was to become a little baby mini studio, mm. where you know, obviously, the material that comes out is all very different, but it has as a kind of unifying identity or, you know, a little bit like um, Ealing Comedies. Not Ealing Comedies, but, you know, where you could tell. That said, all of the companies are sort of independently, you know, doing their own thing. Yeah, so it's downstairs not, now. Absolutely, absolutely. But the model is predominantly a talent-led model, and that's been hugely helpful because Sally and I have been around um, for very, very long been time. Been around talent. Uh, we've been, a- yeah, we've been around talent, uh, um, and um, we've been around talent for a long uh, time. And obviously, we know a lot of people, and uh, people were coming in to do um, sound and ADR, and we'd meet them, and then people would go, "Oh, what are you doing?" So, the whole dream of it really is to enable talent. To become producers, come in here doing this media, and you sort of sidle up to them and they say, "Oh, hello, Sally." Well, we we often know them anyway. Yeah, exactly. That does happen. But I mean, I think the other thing is that certainly in TV, I'm interested to hear what you think about film. There's been a, a false division that's got wider and wider between the creatives and the executives. The idea that the creatives are all airheads and the executives are all geniuses. Mm. Um, and Have I think that's been that? fantastic. Definitely in telly. I mean, definitely. Like, when the government did their consultation about the future of the BBC, they didn't include one creative on the panel. Not even an Armando Iannucci. Like, mm. nobody. Armando's constantly, you know, managing budgets, but he's very much a creative producer. And I think the fact that these two things have been so divorced is, it has, is really problematic in all kind of ways. Well, um, as you say, nothing can get greenlit without creative talent. I know. Well, it's, it, it, it's, it's very patronising. Uh, to the people who actually make the content, mm. um, and uh, and so, but at the same time, Ronnie and I, although Ronnie is very very good at it, you you are very very good at the sort of nuts and bolts of the producing thing. We don't particularly want to be taken away from the creative stuff, and so that's why we're paired up with Nick Hansen, who's a veteran producer. So he's produced loads and loads and loads of things. 
been in the industry for 30 years or so. And so he, the whole point is to empower uh, the creatives to get more involved in that side so that but, but so the you know, right hand knows what the left hand is doing and the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. So there are two arms. Uh, yeah, yes. there are two arms. And actually, actually, Jason, just in the same one as her. We're just in the middle <laughs> finger together of the one arm, the left hand arm. There is a facility whereby if people, um, you know, talent are horrified about the thought of being involved with Sally and me in any shape or form, um, we have a division called Soho Talent where... Um, you know, actors or writers or directors can come in at any time during the production process. Of course, the big thing that's really helped us enable us is that we have distribution and we're very lucky. Because um, you've got for, a distribution arm. Um, which is not so specifically... moving the gate. So our experience, you know, particularly as women, let's be honest, women in comedy is that, you know, the system has been resistant to us. You know, you find so few women had their stuff made yeah. and the reasons we were genuinely given was oh the channel's already got a women's thing and I've genuinely had that reason oh, and and you feel so insecure about saying you know is that sexism because you think well maybe my thing just isn't good enough but when you look at the, the big picture that so few women had their stuff you know so few directors it's 65% of all shorts going on to only 8% of features that kind of thing you go no there is a systemic bias against women and what, what, was the, were you specifically brought in, or would, when you founded Captain Dolly and said to, to Nick Hampson, "Well, actually, that's what we want to address," or, or naturally, we wanted that's to remove we... the gates. So it seemed like, um, particularly in telly, there was a proliferation of gates and gatekeepers. So when we first started, there were fewer gatekeepers, which le- uh, le- meant it was open to uh, sort of cronyism. So either you were in or out. Mm. But if you were in, it was very easy. Whereas now there'd be eight or nine different sets of opinions you have to get to. And what that does is it, 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 uh, it makes it harder to get unusual stuff away. And what appeals to us was two, there's lots of things that appeal about film. Like personally, you know, both of us love that narrative form. We just love a story beginning and ending. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, and also um, the, the bias is more uh, comprehensible, whereas it's so subjective in telly. With this, you, you can understand there is an obligation to make money. Yeah, and so it's how are you going to get the investors their money back so that you can do it again so we can understand that that's easier to understand than I mean I was once in a lift with a commissioner at Channel 4 who said he wanted to get fired for commissioning a Chris Morris piece you go well, how do you pitch to that person what's that it's not about money it's about your career you want yeah. to become notorious and it's not did manage it, it? no <laughs> so uh, yeah Chris went into film <laughs> and there's the other thing that film I was just reading the other day that while TV definitely does rot your grey cells all these uh, uh, studies came out in 2019 and reduce your ability uh, reduce your cognitive function cinema a cinema audience's IQ goes up by 15% as the lights dim isn't that a beautiful thing. Is that true? It's true. And there's a, that's a QI factor. As John Roy <laughs> told me that the other day. Their heartbeats go well, in I can, um, given that I spend most of my life waiting in, for the lights to go down, and yeah. I find it the most exciting moment oh, every day. I yes, always I think know. I'm about to see a masterpiece. Yes. Always. I don't know why I'm and, that, and that you're optimistic. predisposed to thinking about it in a different way. So the removal of distractions, and it's just such a beautiful thing. Mm. And what's been interesting as women, I noticed with both of us, is that we, we started off when we started doing this. We were like, what do they want? What do they want? This sort of nebulous idea of they. Mm. And it's taken us two or three years to start going, 
But what do we want? You're allowed to do that. What do we? Yeah. I think actually to put it in context is that also I think there's a lot more agreement that uh, women can be funny, are funny, are good stories, which is a wonderful thing. And I think women are a lot more empowered these days. But um, you know, when Sally and I started out, it it's changed a lot. Mm. You know, it's changed a lot, and and we sort of slowly came to the realization that we were sort of inadvertently sort of enabling lots of guys scripts who were kind of had that confidence do you know what I mean who would come in and and write something that wasn't always that good but because the confidence was there you and mean, then you, you we'd as, as in your early days as producers you were just getting pitched um, no well script. actually actually to be honest we have found that also in our early days as producers but I think you're talking about when we first started well I'm actually in comedy I'm actually yes actually there's a correlation I'm thinking it happened to us when we were the first start I mean I'm not even going to bore you about telling but stories about being the only woman in a writer's room and the condescension but we could go on for that for a long time Sally's right in the early days as producers because you know we were we're good at gagging up on looking at and restructuring and, and suddenly we sort of you know and it's the same when you're looking at as Sally says with television and commissioners it's like you sort of you get into that almost analogue system of writing another treatment and another treatment and another treatment and it goes into... it goes, You send it off into the ether. Yeah. And as Sally says, you don't know all the nuances or the politics that are going on. So I think in order for film, given that we have been incredibly lucky that we've got this infrastructure here, it's allowing us to, as Sally says, you know, go from the bigger... because actually at the end of the day it is still a very different genre and if you can get the finance together you can make it and yeah. you're not reliant on you know um, and you and you're getting the finance together well how did you what's so you thought you'll find a production company let's call it you know, we've got to have a name why does it call captain dolly who is captain dolly now, Captain um, Dolly, it was problematic, wasn't it? Because we were very stuck for a very long time about the name. That's what we spent two years doing. Nothing else, by the way. We've just come out with the name. Money not for the title. Well, I, had, I have a, a company called Bad Dolly, <laughs> and then Nick was in the army, and Ronnie is a brilliant sort of you do brilliant impersonations of all the grand silver screen stars from. Yeah, from the beginning of the talkies till now. She can do everyone, from Audrey Hepburn to Olivia <laughs> Coleman, Gloria Swanson, she can do absolutely everyone. And um, But also, we quite like the two words together, like trying to be a bit more... We still like it, don't we? We, we like it even when people hate it. And we're so really... Captain Dolly. Sorry? I don't hate Captain Dolly. Yeah, well, certainly, it's probably quite unwoke when you analyse it, which, no, again, I quite like... Woke. Do you? Yes, I suppose it, it is. It is fantastically woke, it's as woke as can be. So, an example... Well, uh, that was a great meeting, that, that Captain Dolly, when you decided to call it that, and then you could go on. Well, what happened was Nick, because he was getting sick of us... Um, <laughs> I need a name. Sick, yeah, sick of us. He then, he did a heading for Zoo Pictures. And we were like, the horror that we might be called Zoo Pictures, which sounds like some kind of very horrible and specialist porn. Yes. <laughs> Which is another thing that we are looking into, actually. In your mind, I wasn't going there. Thank you. My accountant went straight there. <laughs> yeah, which is quite telling. But yes, yeah, that, that four-star... Why are all these account. payments coming from Amsterdam, Sally? <laughs> For birdseed. For birdseed, in inverted, in parenthesis. <laughs> no, I mean, a, a, an example of how the model would work. We're doing a film at the moment called Classic, which is like a Christopher Guest-type 
film about the kind of disparate eccentric couples that come together at car shows and um, I was doing a podcast with um, Tony Pitts and John Bishop and Tony starts to tell me about this idea so he comes in and he meets Sally and he comes in and he sees the, the, the whole thing and that's a springboard from that because the advantages we do um, Catherine Kelly's a producer on it and of course we have got this amazing which is advantageous as a producer because we can sort of I think morally blackmail is the word but I think it's working because he's downstairs now Nick Pitt I just saw him he's downstairs now I I think this thing of empowering um, actors to make movies whether it be write or direct or be in the stories that they want to tell and and just teach them about the production side is a you know it's a, a massive um you i realize whenever i'm on set i realize that most actors are writers because you have to to do your character you have to basically write a novella mm-hmm. about your person where they came from what they do what they've got in their pockets what they're hoping for what's stopping them you know you you're always writing and people are always obviously sitting around for hours swapping stories and there's a lot of untapped talent there. And there's it's not so time. mysterious, producing a movie. It's not as mysterious yes. as we've been led to believe. That, do you know what? That's why I'm doing this show, to yeah. try and demystify it, A, for myself, uh, but for lots of people. But you just said that Ronnie's really good at the nuts and bolts. She's Well, Ronnie, you couldn't wish for a better front-of-house person. Nick Hampson has completely lucked out. Ronnie's so incredibly charming, but also fantastically smart. And she can get any information out of anyone, anyone at any dinner. Plus, she started. <laughs> she started at well. Most importantly, she's a massive cinephile. Mm. Has seen absolutely everything, so she can go toe to toe with anyone. Anyone um, you could put her with Quentin Tarantino, there'd be no problem. She's. Um, she also started at uh, Central St Martin's School of Art, so she's a proper artist with a great sense for the visual. And also, you started. You went into scene painting originally, so yes, I was actually a theatre and TV designer. So, so for being... so I am quite. I do love, you know, art department. I was always going. I, yeah. I was in art department, and I was going to stay in art department, and I was going to be a, an art director or a production designer. That's so why my degree in front of and behind the yeah. camera in a quite a unique way. What about the finance stuff? I do love the challenge of you know um uh you know you've got to get something and you need something and how are you going to get it and how do you sort of you know how you approach that and I think Sally's totally right I mean obviously you know I've got some friends who are very successful producers and I'm sort of you know I'm always reluctant to sort of bring up you know how do you become a producer per se because it does feel that there's this sort of aura and a mysticism around it but if you actually um break it down break it down it's um it is a lot more simpler and gosh Jason I mean we're making we've made mistakes we'll continue to make mistakes you know it's yeah. not like we're Eric Fellner or the great Pippa Harris or that you know we're we're on a we're on a journey, you know. Um, did you but, sit down and say, well, this is the sort of film we're going to make? Yes. And what was yes, that? Yes, we did. Well, we did a bit. Well, we uh, I suppose it, we're we're still working it out. But I mean, certain films are you know we can't make those, so we're not going to, not likely to get Nick Hornby and um, Rosamund Pike to sign up with us over lunch. That's not going to happen. You so, said she's very good. Yeah, you know, she is very good. She's very, very good. I mean, it may happen. Yeah, no, it may so. happen. You're not far off. More chance that than you know, Rogue One and Star Wars. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, maybe I was better off saying that. We're not going to be able to do one of those. J.J. Abrams, we're not going to be able to do one of those. But um, we do... We we were saying this the other day. Because of this big divide between execs and talent, there's lots of people that have been overlooked. You know how you have friends? You go, I just don't understand why they never found anyone. Because they're amazing. Why didn't anyone ever see them? Why didn't they get married? It's strange. And it's, you know, it's the same with... uh, with uh, storytelling, I think. There's people, definitely people, that we've come across and you go, this person is just an amazing talent. Mm. I just don't understand. Maybe they haven't had the courage. Maybe they're neurodiverse in a way that hasn't been recognised. So how can we come around that person and enable them to get over the line um, to tell that particular story that I know they have? And is this from your wealth of experience of you know, on-set stories yes. around the campfire? Yes, 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 absolutely, happen? yes. And there's some people who are just really... Uh, well, I mean, I, I would say Ronnie's, Ronnie's one of them. You know, that Ronnie is... Um, no, but no, 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 but it's true, though. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. So Ronnie's a, an amazing talent. One of the things that's happened... It happened to Nina Conti as well, that... But just because Nina Conti can is a ventriloquist, that doesn't mean she isn't an amazing filmmaker. Mm. And she has made these films now, hasn't she? Like, His Master's Voice won the Audience Prize at Toronto. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't see it, no. Phenomenal. Really, like, semi... Um, mixed between a documentary and a drama where she she had had a relationship with Ken Campbell, who's a big theatrical impresario, and she got From pregnant. Brent, the National Theatre of Brent. Exactly. And um, she got pregnant when they were together and terminated. The day the baby was due, he sent her Monkey, her first ventriloquist puppet, and so spawned that career for her. And then when he died, he left her all his puppets. So this film is her trying to work out what on earth to do with these puppets. She takes them to a ventriloquist convention and then leaves them in the, in the puppet mausoleum. And it's an incredible movie. But anyway, I just cause... This movie. It's, this it's movie. called His Master's Voice. There's a 90-minute and a 60-minute. See the 90-minute. And Ronnie as well. Just because Ronnie can do a brilliant Audrey Hepburn doesn't mean she isn't an amazing writer, producer, director. I think that we're very... I think in this country... I was actually talking to Morgana Robinson about this the other day. You know, I think in this country, you very, you, they're very easy to box people. And I don't know, you know, whereas I don't know because I've never had that opportunity to work in the States, as I know a lot of people have. Whereas I'm sure they've, they've got their own... Um, you know, demons there. But at least I think they're kind of a little bit more respectful that people do different things. So, you know, you take someone like Tina Fey, I don't have an iota of her talent, but the point is, is that Tina Fey would one week do an impression on Saturday Night Live and the next week she would do um, a sketch on something or yeah. the next day she'd do 30 Rock or she'd be in a, a, a film, you know, where Judd Apatrow film, you know, and they were, or, or doing her own thing. And nobody would go, oh, but she's a voice person yeah, or right. she's a ventriloquist. But I don't understand because rather like a musician, I mean, how many musicians do you know that play one instrument, a really true musician? You you wouldn't. You've got a lot of, you know, you've got a lot of tools in your box. There's a lot of numbers, box. though, in the States, isn't it? If you're that well-known, because Saturday Night Live is a national institution, so they, they kind of say, well, there's an audience for her, so they sort of put her in stuff to they find audience. We don't have that luxury of sort of testing out mm. the audiences. But I, well, but I think what you're doing now is, is bringing that, you know, recognition from telly and recognition from brand recognition in a way and now you can sort of but I think there is a difference and we are still in Europe in some senses and you know there is a difference between huge numbers and quality Mm. 
And I've, I find it very interesting when I work in the States that they, even people I really respect, don't seem, to, they seem to have lost that I, idea. Yeah, well, I mean, there just is a difference between that, isn't there? Because yeah. otherwise you're, you're tied into just huge numbers being a measure of quality. And some things are only good 10 years after they've been made, is that as you know. Do you think that's where the, 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 the disconnect between executives and talent is? That they're both they're operate, operating under different... Well, I think it's happening everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Did you read Blink? Malcolm Gladwell book about... I, I just remember one example where they had all, all the experts in the in the... Field music expert music producers predicted this one guy I can't remember his name that he was going to be the next big thing that he was incredibly talented and then they started playing his music to the public who didn't quite get it and so they didn't back him they matched someone else who the public did get but that he might have been the next step forward if you know what I mean. Mm. But I also think I and I also think there is a lot of terrible snobbery in. Um, I mean comedy. I, I think I don't know why I'm randomly coming up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean her. Let's be honest. I've got one into we've got one intellectual here and I'm an end of the pier. Roll up, roll up. (laughs) Fifteen P for an Olivia Coleman impression. Um uh, no, I think that I I say comedy, we're not just doing um comedic um films. Although we're doing untold stories basically. We're bringing people who haven't previously produced and untold stories. So the things that we're distributing tend to be untold stories. There's lots of disability stories, for example. And um, and what else? Swedish football films. Swedish <laughs> yes, we've just distributed Tigers. I which know, is, I liked it very um, much. Um, which was a, the Swedish Oscar nominee um, and about sort of mental health and... In. But there, in it, it, there's no, there is a little bit of a USP. But obviously, you know, as a fledgling distribution company, you know, it, I mean, it's doing very well. Mm. But it's not Studio Canal or A24. You know, it, it, there's obviously. Yeah, but he, he was there in Cannes. You hear everyone was complaining that certain people were just buying up everything. Yeah, weren't they? they were. They hoover it up. But you got yeah. Tigers. Well, I think you got that before. I was doing the Q and A for Tigers just the other night at Curzon Soho. Yes, with the footballers. And so, we've done. We did the man who's um, the man who sold a skin, yeah. and uh, so so there's been so some very dis- good. The idea um, that films. you that this distribution arm, yes, holds your holds your distribution made. hand and yes. and makes your yes, production. Yes, yes. Unless so, we so get into a situation where our own distribution arm rejects no. our yes. own film for not being good enough, in which case we'll have to have a good hard talk to ourselves. Won't we? <laughs> <laughs> You'll send me to the corner to photocopy my bottom for half an hour. <laughs> Well, we have actually because we've got a, the, the, the Sally and I are not totally, and we do do. We've got this new film, the Australian film Girls Can't Surf, which is a documentary which has done really well, and we're distributing that. And we're not we're not specifically in the distribution company per se, but we do all work you across each other because of yes, we you know, and because it's advantageous. So have you, you know, have you been? Like in production, yet on a set with a film. That no, not is yours. yet. That's not coming. Yet. That's that coming. That's that coming. Happening? Well, I think in the next six months we'll be going. It is going to be. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work, and we are sort of. I think the one thing is is sort of juggling and keeping up a lot of balls in the air at the same so time. So that's what I'm finding. I'm finding it's if really you don't push hard. the needle forward every day, do something for it. Has every to be day, driven forward. You sort of, all you, nothing the time. will happen because if you're yeah. not doing it, then no one else. Nobody doing replies today. 
That's the thing. So as 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 the talent, we get to be the people that don't reply. To yourself. <laughs> yeah, but now it's to I'm ourselves. Yeah, so we need email. Yeah, or just like busy, busy, darling, busy, busy. Oh, sorry, I'm at a char- charity, also charity thing. We get lots of scripts that are coming in where people, you know, that you are now. You want to, yeah, and you want I to just read, you know, read with respect. You want to read with Sally's totally right. You know, I just woke up in a cold sweat last night. Go, oh, I haven't, re- you know, I haven't come back properly on that, and 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 very much being um, artist if I can say that, you know, and that we are um, very aware of the pain and the, you know, the lack of respect yes. that you get and the, you know, just the, I had it with the way. And it's really hard and you don't want to be that person. No. You know, that's really important to Sally and me. And, you know, when we do come to sort of casting and et cetera, et cetera, I mean, luckily we've got very good cast in this that's already in development but you know I'm going to make sure that we actually cast people face to face and there will be no one doing a self tape that's sent away and never gets an answer mm. you know but you've just done you did a film in Australia which is just kind of yes. as well yes. which I liked very much thank you very um, much and so I mean but you were the you were the, the only English cast I think yes. only member of the yes. only English member of cast yes so what was that going, like going over there and seeing when you knew that you were perhaps becoming a producer, were you sort of more attuned to sort of spotting what the production yeah. was up to? Yes, I definitely was. Yeah, and I've, yeah, I've yeah. maintained a, a different relationship with those producers and that, and that director um, to one I would have done otherwise. Um, and, you know, I spoke... Renee I, I, Chambers. Renee Webster, Webster. is the director, yeah. and the two producers were Tanya Chambers and Julie Ravine. So Tanya Chambers is a big cheese in Australian cinema. She's sort of in the government... Um, for a long while, it's now gone back to Western Australia to get Western Australian cinema going. So, got amazing locations. And Judy Levine is uh, Aussie from Melbourne, but she, or maybe she's from Perth, but she uh, she made the sessions with Helen Hunt. She's like a proper and, and a falling for Figaro. She's she's like a proper tenacious, t- a tenacious producer who just gets things over the line. And and um, even you know, she just she's the sort of person who will just turn up in Alaska and just bay at the you know at the president to get the to get the filming rights you yeah. know if it's if it's been initially denied so she's a fantastic role model really. you're going to be doing some of that well not last yeah I mean, you so. just see how um how tenacious you have to be mm-hmm. to get things over the over the line you don't don't and you're really... up for that up for that journey yeah we are i mean the problem for you know as you're probably finding is that you know you start something like this and you have to earn a living you yeah. also have to earn a living so you're not earning a living yet from your uh, from your producer. Know, apparently, you don't earn that much anyway. <laughs> That's what some people tell me. I like, well, what am I bothering with this for? Yeah, because you can't, because it is that moment of magic as the lights go down. And it's, I think that cinema and theatre still are artistic mediums that can properly speak yeah. to our condition. And I think there's something so joyous. I mean, it's just magical, isn't it? Like, if you're in love with it, you're in love with it, and you can't help it. Well, I was, I was looking for things, I was like, there's no way I can leave film. You know, I know everyone said, you know, with the scripts I have, so I said, well, that could be telly, that could be telly. And it's just not in my head. I don't see it as telly at all. No, well, it, it will eventually be telly. Anyway, yeah. I will see it on telly, you know, I saw Dirty Harry on telly and the Parallax View on telly and the Wild Bunch on telly. So for me, but they were movies, even though they yes. appeared on my little tiny black and white telly in, yes. in, in the 70s at home in my bedroom. So there's something about cinema that is... In, with like within the form of the of yes. the story you're telling. Yes, and it is different. I mean, it just is different. You can be much more. I don't know. It just. I, it, and also, I think that 
you know, there's, I would listen to the most fantastic, this probably won't go on today, but most fantastic listening in the car today about Aaron Sorkin, who I just adore, you know, is just such a, talking about how he's, um, he's, it was just fascinating, how he's, 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 he's terrible at story and narrative art. He says all he wanted always to do was to write dialogue and for a story to sort of emerge around, so he got, to write in the way he did and he said actually I write radio plays that you know that people put a camera on you know so it's very I think it's just the uh, the diversity in film you know is extraordinary I love the economy though and I think what is happening one of the what things what do you mean economy well, the, well the, you, you have to tell a story in between 90 and 180 mm. really pushing it minutes and you have to do your beginning and so you tell very little of each scene and you get every single inch of the screen talking that's what I love and in telly you find you know because of the financial pressures you'll find that what ought to be six at one hours you're sort of being pushed to make that eight one hours and so and you're being pushed not to close the series down so it can go again yeah and that means there's more flab and it's just not it's not the same it's not the same thing. So as a producer, are you, you're doing the script as well? For, um... Some of them we're writing scripts, some of them we're consulting on the scripts, some of them we're not, nothing to do with the scripts. Mm. It's all a bit, it's actually, that sounds totally right, it's, it varies totally to what, because we, you know, if something interests us, we don't sort of close the door because we go, oh, we're not doing it that way or that's not happening. We're trying to facilitate everything that we want to do in whatever guise that comes in. But we're also just really having to take ourselves to task on a lack of confidence and a feeling that no one... You know, there's this career of yeah. being women in comedy, of like having to please and not getting to say what you think. And it's been two years of fast learning that we are allowed to have preferences. Because our first instinct, people would send in something a little bit shoddy and we'd go, because what we've always done is fix it. And go, oh, well, yeah, hang on. If you did this, yeah. if you didn't do that, if you did that, and you made this character more interesting than that, and we realised that we were doing it again. We were <laughs> writing, someone else, fixing someone else's script for them, whereas now I think, you know, we'll be, we are getting more picky. We're starting to say, yeah. doesn't do it for us. Yeah. Not good enough from but our that's perspective. that's been a journey. Is and that... it's another journey. You're thinking, oh, kind of wish we'd had that journey in our early 30s. So it's for example, someone sends you in a script and says, yeah. oh, but this might be up your street because it's skewed a certain yes. way. I don't know if it's got yes. female skewed yes, exactly. or whatever. Where that, yes. I don't know if you would, you would say you're looking yes, particularly yeah. for those. No, but no, not particularly, but yes. But, so but, that has happened. This happened just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So you yeah. read it, you say, oh, I think there's something here. Or you say, it's not for us. Or it's like, oh, let's develop it. Can yeah. you, you offer development money to people? You're sort of saying, let's come in. Not as no. such. No. And actually, we're not a film... It's not a film finance company as such. But saying that, um, we can actually package the product and bring in elements of finance and back-end. Pay-as-you-go. Uh, pay uh, keep your rights. Yes. And I think that's because I know that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of... Um, uh, production companies obviously who have a big development part and they can you know uh, throw out you know to support a lot of yeah. you know fledglings um in the but hopes what, what that some of them grow up get paid but... less for your thing so you, you it's always a choice anyway as a writer whether you sell up front or or write it 
and hope to get a better price and deal later. So if you need the money, then you'll sell it up front, so you'll sell it at the treatment stage. But you will definitely get less for that mm. than if you, know, if you really believe in it and you really think it's going to be good to get more control. later. So what would you, you what would you do? You would develop it with them creatively and then say, Well let's go out to exactly. the BFI or something with it or something. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Or I mean we tend to do it with um, private investors. So at the I moment we're very lucky with investors because actually, you know, they're very, very good bunch of people and we've been trying to look after them and they move. come back but, yeah. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for that isn't wanker? <laughs> Is no wanker again, <laughs> no, and no wanker policy. So all the investors are, yeah, are, are nice people who are in it for the ride, you know. But they're in it for the money investors, though, aren't they? They, 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 don't, want lose, they, they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose their. I'm like, yeah, money. Well, they don't want to lose their money. So Nick is very smart. So so Nick, who is Captain Dolly, but he's on top of the whole thing, mm. film finance. He's he treats the investors very well, so they get they paid off first. Used to have a finance first. company, actually, a financial advisory company, which he bloated yeah. on the stock market so he does know and he, the, the investors are must be looked after 100% mm. you know that's the first first rule of thumb obviously but uh, again it's sort of you know with a sort of something like classic even though we're not a finance company per se you know there's a lot of pe- of our investors who are interested in cars and we know a lot of people are interested in cars so according to the project it can vary fiscally uh, what the arrangements mm-hmm. are if that if that makes sense but i do think that the um what sally was saying about getting more i think a lot of just having us being writers as well that painful thing where something is bought as an option and you get very very excited and it's often sometimes bought just to be shelved because because something else has been made similar more, do you know you what i mean no no, no. No, definitely not. No, no definitely well, not. Gonna definitely do that. not. That's so anti that's what, what you're doing, I'd say. That's anti what yeah. we're doing. Yes. Yeah, anti what we're doing. I mean, really, we just we are in love with the process of creating. Does and this that's, feel that's, like a new chapter in that? In well, that I think. You know, well, I think that's always been there for both of yeah. us. But there's been so many barriers to getting to do it, and you don't get to do or. It, you do get to do the things you'd absolutely love to do, but not as often as you'd like. And there's an awful lot of, you know, stuff that you think, why? Yeah. Why why bother? Why bother? Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're not spring chickens, and you do sense <laughs> times... <laughs> Times That's crooked old, stallion, or where is it? That was a really old chicken <laughs> with a sore throat. He's had about twenty a day for the last thirty years on the silk cut farm. Sorry. Yeah, but you do get yeah, you do get a sense of you you know you only got however many yeah. you can only produce however many films. Tell me, just because I know you're doing Palm Dog. Yeah, we were in Cannes and you were telling me about Palm Dog. That's really a two. That's the two of you have written that as well, right? Yeah. Yes. We've had um, we've had a few issues with Palm Dog because obviously that was actually a slightly made order. We inherited that project, and it, as Sally says, who is much better at long form than I am. Um, but uh, you know, it is it is hard. It it's difficult because it's actually. Um, I think a lot of problems with British comedic films are tone. It's getting that tone 
right so that it's sort of pithy and funny and, mm-hmm. but you know not crass and 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 so it obviously involves dogs which we both adore sally has managed to I didn't have any dogs when we inherited She's the project every time now. we got block i'd get another dog i've got four <laughs> for research purposes <laughs> yes not really. That's actually not true, but it's a good story, isn't it? And, yes. and when it comes out, you are not to contradict me when I say that to the press. Yes. <laughs> I myself I have it. developed a pathological dislike of anything canine when I get a, a block about it. And, and it had to involve, um, the, it, because it's about the Palm Dog Awards, which, as you know, Jason, being a film expert, on the first jury you, you know all about that. And so that's difficult when you're doing a kind of you know when you have to incorporate elements which are quite, quite difficult we were stuck with two toxic genres the dog movie and the movie about a movie mm. it's like how on earth are we going to we have now got away th- got away through it by converting it into a different genre entirely so this sounds really interesting you're writing it and you're producing you're moving this forward yes but some time. of the production things were already in place okay. so nick had already got investment for this thing brilliant so, well, so that was a nightmare because it was like, oh no, the investors want to know what's happened to it. And we binned, completely binned the original script, which was to do with, uh, um, it was bankers well, we've, picking we've, up women with puppies. We've actually changed. We've, we've actually... Yes. <laughs> we said, we've, no, that must not happen. That film must be prevented. So. We've, we've actually, we've written many different versions. There's been lots of, but anyway. And also we're doing, uh, we are doing some television stuff and we are, um, you know, developing some other people's well, scripts I, I think stuff. It, it's brilliant to hear you kind of work together. I don't know what it'd be like day to day working in the office with both of you. Do you. Are you allowed to come in at the same time? I just say that we've never had a row. No, I, I think I'm a very <laughs> annoying person. I'm not... Stop looking at me like that, Jason, like you never noticed. I'm very, <laughs> a very annoying person. But actually, uh, we've never actually had a row, have we? No. No. Oh. No, we do love each other. No, but that's, that's going to... So you're, and you're in here. So Captain Dolly's open for business. Yes, that's the first yes, thing. Yes. You're now producers. Yeah, I want to know what's happened to yours, though. Well, I'm... I'm Where are you at? I am, I've optioned a book. Yeah, Way and it, what's your company called? It's called Movie Love Productions. Oh, took me come up with that. Movie, movie Love. love. And love I love movies. That. Yes. I love that. Um, I really do. Are we going to be doing a co-production yes, we together? Are. Yeah. Which is very exciting. Exactly. So I've got the right script for us to develop together. Well, that's just mm. so exciting. And we won't have that really is. We won't. We did no. a but we have got a we have got a book option actually. Um, but we tried different things. French, but, French one, although you can speak French, obviously. I don't know. Italian, you speak. Yeah, yeah. there once upon a time, I spoke French. Yeah, yeah. an Italian movie as well. Of course, yeah, she loves it. But that's, a, that's the other thing that was so exciting, because you, of course, have been to Cannes endlessly, but we haven't been to Cannes very often because most comedy takes place in, inside the M25. And so this was only, our, was only my second ever trip to Cannes this yes. year. And to just feel that we had some agency and to go... I've always wanted to make a movie in Italy, and just we just went and squatted in the Italian cinema tent, met some Italian yeah. directors. And so they said, "We went. Here's our card." Unfortunately, our card was a tiny bit shit because had they got something had gone wrong with it, so we had to get them printed in Cannes, and they were rubbish. <laughs> I just gave them a restaurant card that we'd been to the night before. I've, I've had many orders for. Yes. Some... <laughs> but you, you, you know, of course. Here we are, chef. Yeah. Have some. 
are you are you well, you're speaking French you speak French and Italian then I do speak French and, and, and Spanish French, and Italian French, and well, so are you going to do any co-pros yeah the French one that's the yeah. book I've optioned is going to be an Anglo-French amazing fantastic well, very and, but the British comedy that we're going to work on together I shall let you know about later oh, but what um, what do you think is the future for multilingual movies well people say they love them Netflix yeah. love mixed language yeah because I'm doing something and hopefully we're doing it as well with um a company in Sweden, which is Swedish, English, and Kurdish. Mm. I was just wondering. You're just how trying they... to get. Does, does one try and come up with a third one that's surprised? You know, like the, like. A, no, it's a, a it's a Kurdish Swedish immigrant. Yeah, no, it and makes sense, but it's like, well, that's not. Yeah, no, but no I'm, I'm just wondering what that's going to be called when people. I don't. I don't. Well, you that. and I are very sort of okay with happily switching between languages yes. and not writing, not and not mind reading subtitles. And it was used to be about reading subtitles, but now young generation, my kids, they read subtitles all the time. They've got, they've got I enjoy the, the act yeah. of reading subtitles yeah. as well. There's an Italian film, Il Basio, which is going to be half Italian, half English. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the yes, future, I think the future sounds amazing. And it's worth right. a shot, isn't it? God, isn't, isn't that the sort of isn't the thing? That is the that thing? what you do? You, went, you know what, if we don't do it, we don't do it. You know, we don't just, it'll just pass us by. So. Yes, yes. And I think as, as comedians, you're always writing anyway. So that's the difference between us and, well, obviously you have the art side as well, but, you know, you always have feel that you're involved in the production of the thing because you're writing it. You're in front of and behind camera. And you have to be quite careful, actually, which mindset you're in, because if you're in a if you're in a writing thing, that's bad to be in a writing headspace when you're in front of the camera, because mm. they are you know they are quite they are quite different. But and it, then there's the, the producer head, which is the sort of which is, which is more practical and let's get this done. Can we do that? Do we need to do that shot yeah. here? I, I love the challenge of that. Uh, Ronnie and Conan, Sally Phillips, fantastic to meet Captain Dolly and see them in action. I saw you in Cannes, but to see you in Soho, in situ. And I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a, a, you're going to bring a new shade of brightness and colour to the British production independent film sector. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Sally Phillips and Ronnie Ancona. What a pleasure to spend time with those two and to hear them do their double act for real, you know, rather than for laughs. Although they're clearly both having loads of fun in their new roles. What did I learn about producing from meeting Sally and Ronnie? Well, the setup they've got there at Studio Soho, that feels genuinely supportive and genuinely joyous, you know, to be supported by a company that's got production facilities, really state-of-the-art stuff, with an next-level green screen kind of technology going on. They've got production facilities and they've got distribution and they've got investment. Well, that seems like a real stroke, you know, and quite unusual. So I don't know if there's many like that in the independent film space, but I'll definitely keep an eye on everything they do at Studio Soho. I also really admired Sally and Ronnie's ability and determination to be across the writing and the creative, but also to knuckle down and learn the processes of production. You know, the way they're thinking smartly about audiences and where finances can be added through brands, such as we heard uh, with those classic car brands for their film Classic, about classic car collectors. They're obviously... A real draw to work with too, Sally and Ronnie. And that's something I'm very keen to do, as you heard. And um, well, you know, their offices are really nice. Thanks to Sally Phillips and to Ronnie Ancona for their time at Captain Dolly. I can't wait to see their first film as producers. Do join me for the next episode of the Production Guild of Great Britain's Meet the Producer series, when I'll be talking to legendary British film producer Colin Vaines about his life in movies from Croydon to Hollywood to Rome and to Liverpool.
And thank you too, of course, to the Production Guild of Great Britain, the UK's leading membership organisation for those working in film and TV drama production. It represents professionals working in a range of fields including production, assistant directing, accounts, location management, VFX and post-production. It provides members with industry advice, training, networking and seminars, and now a podcast, hello, and its availability service provides information on members' availability for work to heads of departments seeking crew for UK and international film and TV productions. You can find out more about what they do and what they offer at www.productionguild.com, which is where you can also find this podcast. You've been listening to Meet the Producer from the Production Guild of Great Britain. And don't forget to subscribe. Whatever platform you're on, just hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode of this enlightening first series. I'm Jason Solomons, and I'll see you on the next episode. (laughs) 